Welcome to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Here are your hosts, Joe and Kendall. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we are happy to be back with you. I'm joined once again uh, by our clever elephant in the room co-host, as some call him, Kendall. What's up, Kendall? Nothing much, nothing much. And then uh, we are we are very happy to have in, in the studio, okay, last, you know, last couple of weeks we've been slacking off with the guest, guests. Well, we have... Uh, we have we have made it up to you. We have two guests this time, two very intelligent young unique, men. Unique too. This is the first time in like months that we've had a new guest that yeah. hasn't been on the show before. <laughs> so we've got we've got Carter Brett. How's it going, Carter? It is truly a pleasure to be here, Joe. Oh well, fantastic. It's a pleasure to have you. And then we got Luca Stanick. What's up, Luca? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Oh uh, well, we're glad to have you. We've got uh, quite quite the docket to get through. Quite the. Uh, quite the cornucopia of news events that we need to decipher and and really bring to you the people uh, you know what's going on as as uh, many of our listeners only get our news their news from from our lovely broadcast it's so true yeah first up we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the uh, a continuation of uh, last week's story revolving around the Ukraine uh, document leaks uh, some of that stuff uh, especially revolving around the arrest of uh, the leaker uh, some funny things about that. Moving right along to uh, some some of uh, well expressed in those leaks some some uh, of a lack of confidence in Ukraine's war effort um, reports of their struggling uh, their struggling troop counts as well as uh, the the uh, the uh, struggles and sufferings that they are having with their uh, German Leopard tanks that are being sent there uh, to help them with that effort and then finally you know uh, not getting a lot of light uh, but. As it is uh, right after the event, as we're coming off of both uh, Western and uh, Eastern Easter celebrations, uh, we have some news revolving around the uh, basically Easter in Jerusalem, in Old Jerusalem, how uh, Israel seems to be seems to be treating that. So, uh, so we will get right into that. Uh, first up, we have uh, some news revolving around the uh, leaks that we talked about last week. Uh, so, last week the U.S. government arrested. Uh, Jack Tashira, he accused uh, he's being accused of one of the worst leaks in the national security in many years. Uh, we have audio from uh, the Attorney General uh, regarding that. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Tashira in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. Tashira is an employee of the United States Air Force National Guard. FBI agents took Tashira into custody earlier this afternoon without incident. He will have an initial appearance at the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts. So according to prosecutors, despite his youth, he was given clearance to handle top secret information. Uh, a responsibility, federal officials say that he abused uh, with illegitimate access to these documents and then sharing them on uh, Discord, which, you know, <laughs> the thing I, I can't help but get over is like, imagine... Imagine sharing some classified info because some e-girl on Discord offered you like a, a year's worth of, <laughs> of nitro. Um, so officials are now saying that Tashira did not have an ideological aim and appears to be, this appears to be a result of him just messing around online and uh, he, I guess, accidentally leaked some information that could inadvertently sway uh, the ongoing war in Europe. Uh, officials have been quick to deny the claims that he was trying to warn the public about the nefarious surveillance program that we seem to be orchestrating against our allies. Uh, nor was he apparently uh, uh, trying to divulge uh, any previously unknown government corruption. Uh, 
So uh, pending his arrest, the FBI apparently interviewed members of Tashira's Discord group. Uh, through an interview, agents discovered that Tashira had been allegedly posting material on the platform since as early as December. Uh, he was initially post he initially posted the information as paragraphs of text, suggesting that he was simply copying it from the original documents. But in January, uh, he upped. Uh, this uh, alleged uh, document sharing by posting actual pictures. And it was from these pictures that law enforcement were able to... This is weird. They matched the granite countertop on, on the background of some of these pictures with already existing pictures of him online at his parent in his parents' kitchen. That's a very interesting uh, amount of surveillance that they, they seem to be trying to skirt away from being accused of. But yeah, no, the government's pressing charges under the Espionage Act. Uh, Tashira now uh, faces one count of unauthorized retention and trans transmission of national defense information, as well as one count of unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents or material. To together, these charges may carry up to 15 years of uh, a sentence in prison. Um, it's scary. Ter scary uh, thing is how uh, all of the U.S. adversaries now uh, have access to an effective way to get some of these classified, classified documents. Like, all they have to do is just hire someone to play a Discord kitten or something, and, and bam, there go our, our nuclear true, codes. True. I, so, like yeah. how, I like how this guy, you know, drops some, some big secrets about the war in Ukraine. You know, kind of a big deal, definitely some top-secret stuff, and then, boom, they're on him. He's arrested. This is not the, like, only leak of top-secret materials that's happened recently or... Um, you know, about a year ago now, the Supreme Court decision um, about Roe v. Wade getting leaked, and they're like, oh, we have no idea who did it. Who could have done it? And then this guy immediately, they're like, I see his countertops, and they get him. It just, I don't know if they're they're quite playing, yeah, something, playing the something. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what comes of all this. Like, I think we've seen it run its course. It's beginning to, you know, the, the media's been talking about it for a while. People seem to have come up with their own ideas about it, but I don't know. I'm curious to see how much of an impact it'll actually have at this point, because it seems mm -hmm. like it's left the collective memory. Well, they're going through all the steps. I mean, like, I remember when people were talking about, like, this was a big deal. I mean, I mean, I, of course, I remember it happened last week. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I, like like people were saying that this was a big deal that, you know, we had agents inside of our own military who were a little bit uh, skeptical about our our ongoing effort in Ukraine, and especially because of the nature of some of the stuff that he released. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's not forget that some of these documents pertained to uh, our ongoing espionage against other nations who were a little <laughs> bit skeptical about, uh, you know, teaming up with us in, in our ongoing effort in Ukraine. But also, you know, some of these documents uh, addressed some of our own doubts, some of our own doubts in uh, Ukraine's ability to fend off this uh this Russian invasion. I'm sure we'll get more into that as we talk about uh, some of these leopard tanks being, uh, you know, not really working as intended uh, in on the battlefield. But, you know, our our distrust, our lack of confidence in, in their capabilities, uh, despite the fact that we're at least appearing to say that, oh, you know, Ukraine has a fighting chance. We need to give them more money. We need to give them more stuff. And, uh, you know, these the nature of these leaks seem to uh, seem to be in contradiction to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that really stuck out to me from the leaks was the air, whole air defense situation where they were talking about how Ukraine will be pretty much out of any sort of anti-air missiles, whether they're portable or, you know, uh, system-based missiles. They're going to be pretty much out, like their stockpiles are just running completely dry. And that was supposed to happen three days ago or so, where they were supposed to run out of Stinger missiles, which is really, like, a big deal. If You know, if, if they run out of missile defenses and air batteries, the Russians will have pretty much complete air superiority. The Ukrainian Air Force is 
you know, pretty tiny, very tiny compared to it's the a, Russian It's a Air good Force. thing they've got the, the ghost of Kiev, though. Yeah, that'll, that'll you know? he's stationed on Snake <laughs> Island. He's, he's waiting <laughs> he's to get in the fight. Line. He's truly holding the line. So I'm, I'd be curious to see if this is going to be, like, an excuse for us to start expediting those X, F, uh, the uh, F-16 uh, deliveries. Because, you know, we keep saying we're not going to do them, but I, I know you mentioned uh, we were talking about this outside of the radio yeah. show. Uh, you know, we've, we're, we've been training their pilots up on F-16s. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, we're definitely not giving them to them, though. You know, it's yeah. not in the books, no, not, not on the plans. Something interesting is how we're, we're spinning this leak, though. Uh, you know, I was scrolling through Western media, YouTube shorts, and <laughs> I noticed a lot of shorts <laughs> saying that it was a good thing it was leaked because Russia, they're, they're so intimidated by the things that they've found in this leak. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's interesting that you're overlooking, you know, the fact that the United States was spying on its own so-called allies. It's mm -hmm. just, it's really crazy, the, the mm -hmm. PSYOP going on with this. You've been listening to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Kendall and Joe, joined by Carter and Luca. As we were just talking about, we've got these leaks coming out of Ukraine. Um, some, you know, maybe miss, I, I would maybe say misguided sources saying that, oh, Russia's going to be so scared, um, especially when they read the parts about the our tanks failing and that they're not working. Joe, do you want to take it away? Yeah, especially when they read the parts about Russia not being so scared. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so yeah, Russian uh, state media as well as inside sources from both Russia and Ukraine's military have reported that Western deliveries of NATO standard Leopard tanks are now reportedly unfit for service in Ukraine. One report cited that uh, cited in the Russia Pravda outlet said that the donated tanks had not underwent thorough inspections. It added that many of the tanks had been kept unused in warehouses for years or had been hastily repaired before delivery to Ukraine. Uh, as you can recall, Zelensky had made repeated calls for Western nations uh, to send Western-made uh, battle tanks, the favorite among these uh, being the German-made Leopard, uh, into uh, ahead of uh, Ukraine's uh, backers agreeing to the deliveries in late January. For Ukrainian military stocks filled with Soviet-era tanks, these, these NATO d deliveries were thought to have represented some sort of significant upgrade uh, in their military capabilities. Uh, many Western countries, including Canada, Poland, and Portugal, have already donated Leopard tanks to Ukraine. Unfortunately for Ukraine, some of those tanks uh, came straight from storage with questions arising surrounding their battle readiness. Um, and, uh, you know, ahead of Berlin committing Leopard tanks to Ukraine, the head of the German military manufacturer, Rhein Metall, told ger a German newspaper that stocks of Leopard 1 and Leopard 2 tanks, uh, quote, must be completely dismantled and rebuilt. So, you know when, so, great news. You know when they go around and do food drives and people are like, oh, yeah, I'd love to get, give food and go through, their, go through their kitchen cabinets and pull everything that's expired out and throws it in? Um, listen, I'm not saying that's what Canada, Poland, and Portugal did, but... <laughs> Well, you never know. I was going to say, like, that's that's the scary thing here because we, we keep – I remember reading articles for, like, the past – I don't know. It's got to be seven, eight months now. So, like, pretty much end of the summer offensive that Russia launched. And we've been talking about how, you know, the Russians are pulling out 60-, 70-year-old tanks and they're using these and how embarrassing it is that they're reduced down mm -hmm. to these stocks, right? Mm -hmm. But at least the tanks work. Yeah. We yeah, haven't yeah. seen examples of Russian tanks, like – breaking down in mass numbers or being completely unfit for service. They might mm -hmm. not be as good as their contemporary vehicles, and they might be, you know, poorly handled as far as logistics go, but they're working, right? Whereas the tanks we're sending them, which are significantly more recent, just aren't. Which, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, and these are these are our stocks. These were not like, oh, we're just going to ship them out. Like oh, these, yeah, no. these, are, these were supposed to be our emergency reserve mm -hmm. tanks. Like for it's most it's of these such countries. a great propaganda tool for the West to be like, yeah, you know, the reason the reason those tanks are breaking down is because we see we keep sending them their trash ones. 
like we're keeping all the good ones but like everybody's forgetting the fact that like this is being called the first pure conflict of like the 21st century yeah. like for Europe for much of Europe including and that you know the West would include us as uh, as well like war to this scale has been very much a theoretical con uh, concept if not something like that doesn't happen anymore because of like the sheer like like global reach of uh, some countries like the US like China uh, to an extent like Russia so you know they like I think this is it's it's not a matter of like uh, we're sending the the worst of our inventory or at least German is Germany is sending the worst of their inventory like this is this is pretty comparable stuff to the rest of Germany's inventory because for them like war just hasn't it's been a non-factor for the last like uh, couple 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 decades mm-hmm. um, but you know more on that uh, quote it's been known that leopards have had issues uh, and do not perform as advertised uh, this is all according to Marina Moran uh, a researcher at the Department of War Studies at King's College in London uh, she went on on to say that quote uh, all in all we should take the Russian article with a grain of salt uh, this is not complete disinformation. However, the Russians are skilled at weaving some facts into their disinformation to make it more credible. Uh, however, you know, this, this does kind of leave out the fact that in late 2022, a senior German military official had reported, quote, the question of the vehicle's readiness has become a game of lottery. Uh, and even in late March, Berlin confirmed that they had shipped, you know, 18 Leopard uh, TA-6s to Ukraine, uh, and then the German Federal Minister of Defense went on to comment, quote, I'm not sure that they can do something important at the front. So, you know, it, it seems that maybe some of this Russian disinformation might might be founded. You know, it, it doesn't look like these tanks are going to be much help, especially, uh, you know, as we were talking about with these leaks, verifying the fact that, like, Ukraine is not going to have really any air capabilities anytime soon. But I hear I hear they're, they're very much struggling not only in, in getting tanks and infrastructure, but also... Also, troop stuff as well. Like they seem to be, as far as I've I've seen, it doesn't look like they're they're doing very well in terms of of numbers. Well, this is the crazy part, Joe. I mean, I mean, we see advertised to us in the West. It's that Ukraine is winning. They their their army has the most morale of all time, <laughs> and yet, you know, when we see footage from inside Ukraine, we see footage from inside the Ukrainian army, inside Ukrainian cities. Um, there's people being taken off the street to be put into the army. There's, this is real. There's footage of people, you know, trucks rolling up on homeless people and just taking them into the cars. And also, you know, their their conscription laws are, are insane, and they're refusing to call them conscripties still, even yeah. though the the draft is is absurd right now. They are drafting people as old as 60, I believe, and they give exemptions for fathers of three minors. Um, but for fathers of two, that means nothing. And, and it's very easy to, you know, get around. They have exemptions for college students. People are forging college papers. So that leaves 30, 40-year-old men in the dust because all these, you know, young troopers are leaving. Right. And so, you know, fathers of two whose wives might be pregnant or fathers of two minors and, you know, one 18-year-old are, are getting <laughs> sent to the front lines, and it's, it's a real meat grinder. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it surprising when the leader of your country is going around on basically a speaking tour to the to the Congress or the Parliament of almost every Western nation there is, and say we we need your help, and if you're a moral nation, you'll help us, please, please. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just comical. You've been listening to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your host Kendall and Joe, joined by Carter and Luca. Um, Joe, as you were talking about at the top of the show, there's been some news coming about, out about Easter celebrations in Israel and how apparently the Israeli government has been 
cracking cracking down on them. So I believe we've got some oh, more information goodness. about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we talked about, what, the trans stuff with the Bud Light ad last week. Mm-hmm. We were worried about, you know, our, our ability to get a job then. Now we've got Israel, and I'm like, oh, oh, no. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy for the last like uh, the two weeks. You know, holiest days, holiest days for Christians all over the world. Uh, we have back to back weekends of Easter celebrations over the previous two Sundays. However, on April fifteenth, Palestinian Christian worshippers uh, and international pilgrims from all over the world engaged in a scuffle and were allegedly beaten by Israeli pari- uh, police uh, in yeah, and armed forces as they attempted to reach the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, for Easter for their for the Easter holiday in the old city of Jerusalem, Palestinian and international worshippers gathered in uh, for the holy fire ritual as part of the annual Easter holiday celebrations. Uh, Israeli armed forces were deployed across the entirety of the old city's Christian quarter, um, and then on Holy Saturday, the Jerusalem city was turned into a quote military base with checkpoints spread across the city. Police and army deployed everywhere. It was as though we were in a battle, battlefield, says Archbishop Atala Hana, the Patriarchate of Jerusalem. Um, and, you know, this is days before the scheduled celebration of the Holy Fire ritual. Israeli forces were ordered only to allow 1,800 Christian worshipers inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre uh, and imposed a limit of 1,200 uh, to be allowed outside the church. Um, in addition, they had about 200 Israeli officers that were stationed inside um, and, you know, this is this is like a huge like limitation to in past years, uh, the, the event attracting more than 10,000 people um, annually. And so many Christian leaders who say there is uh, no need to alter uh, the a celebration that has been held for centuries believe that this is part of an ongoing Israeli policy to push them out of their homeland. Uh, every year, Israeli uh, police have limited the number of pilgrims who can attend uh, Christian celebrations, including the Holy Fire Ceremony, seemingly irrespective of the security situation. Uh, in a statement, Donald Binder, uh, chaplain of the Anglican Archbishop of Jerusalem, said, quote, they've blocked down the Christian and Armenian quarters uh, on the actual day, uh, he said, referring to the ceremony uh, on Saturday, and then uh, and pretty much let no one else into the city except for those issued tickets by the police for the Holy Fire uh, Greek Orthodox Church on Wednesday slammed what it called Israel's heavy-handed restrictions uh, on freedom of worship as it prepared to celebrate Easter. Um, we have some audio of that for you. The ceremony has been faithfully taking place in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre for nearly 2,000 years, attracting Christians and not only from around the world. This year, after many attempts made in goodwill, we are not able to co- coordinate with the Israeli authorities as they are enforcing unreasonable restrictions on access to the Holy Sepulchre, more so than last year. These heavy-handed restrictions will limit access to the Christians, to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and to the Holy Light Ceremony. So that was from Archimandrite uh, Mathos. Uh, Luca, do you know that guy? Uh, he's a... Uh, he's, he's, I, I, personally, <laughs> no. I've heard of him. Uh, this is really like a big deal for Greek Orthodox, and in general, Orthodox Christians around the world. This is, you know... Every Orthodox Christian, if they, you know, like they, they want an opportunity to go to this. And for it to be limited to such a small number is really kind of crazy. Um, I remember I was reading this, you know, day before Easter for myself, which, you know, happened to be last Sunday because I'm weird like that. Um, <laughs> and 
it, it was you know it, it really hurts to see because like these are you know this is this is something that's been going on like the guy like like the archbishop said for you know two thousand years it's a really big deal mm-hmm. well so. it is it has been a bit of an unfortunate trend in recent history it seems like um especially because unfortunately pretty often israel is under attack by you know foreign powers um or even terrorist groups um hamas for example sending missiles at like civilian centers and they cry out for help like this is persecution hamas 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 denounced this today well yeah (laughs) this is is where we get into it right israel and the israeli government is becoming even more antagonistic to christians than the Hamas and Muslim government within Palestine. And yet, you know, this goes severely underreported, and so you have evangelical American Christians all the time giving tons of money, almost as much money as they give to the church, to Israel and the state of Israel, even though there's active Christian persecution in many areas, especially Gaza, especially Palestine. Well, the fact that, like, I literally read off the fact that, like, uh, they have the Christian and Armenian quarters, like, that... That should be telling enough, you know. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, but like even even uh, even. I mean, they they quite literally have Palestinian Christians in like ghettos. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of unfortunate trends, you can catch our next episode next week. But unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, as always, you can find um, our previous episodes at elephantsintheroom.transistor.fm. Carter and Luca, thank you so much for joining in this week. Uh, this has been Elephants in the Room.